Hey everybody, welcome back to episode 61 of That Scale RC Show. This is Jay with Adam and Trav. They let me come back, and that was pretty nice of them. So here I am. Yeah, he only begged about a thousand times this week, so we just had to let him. Yeah. Special privileges only right now anyways, so we're easing yeah. back into this. <laughs> yeah. Eventually <laughs> I'll get my podcast champion badge like you guys have. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> I didn't I didn't feel good so I missed an episode. So, listeners, sorry. You, not like I mean, you know what you missed, so you probably didn't even notice. But anyways, yeah, we're back and we don't have a guest and do we have a plan even? Um, define really. plan. An agenda. I thought we were going off the um, flight or fight, you know, mentality. Oh yeah. I mean, really, this is this is your big recap because you were gone last week, so you missed the drifting episode basically, and then we were gone all weekend. We were. And on the way back, you said, "Wow, there's going to be so much to talk about on the show." <laughs> So now we are yeah, here. <laughs> there, there actually is. There, yeah, so there actually is. We, uh, a funny thing happened, and we busted. So this last weekend, Travis and I went over to, I don't know, it's not really central Washington. It's the Cascades, right? Cascade Mountain Range? Yeah. Sort of. Sort of. Sort of. So we went up into no man's land and camped for three days and did a lot of RC driving and pictures and video and all kinds of stuff like that. And then we uh, decided, when was it, Saturday, late Saturday we busted out the micros? Yeah, yeah, I think it was late Saturday. And I feel like we kind of need to recap that because... We, we do, because you, I... You gave an unfair assessment and... <laughs> I yeah I got I got stuck with a stinker. That's okay, well yours. actually hold on. Let's let's reel that back in for a minute. I I don't want to say it's an unfair assessment because when we did the first initial drive that the review was based off of, given what I was working with at that point, I feel like my review was pretty fair. However that review that I gave on that episode, whenever that was, that definitely needs some uh, adjustment because I don't, so like to clarify, both of the cars that we had driven, which was the, you know, the element 24th scale and the SCX 24 at Die Hard, There's something really weird with the throttle band on dad's, 24 and i don't we, really know we didn't know that at the time we didn't know we that just, at the time so we just thought it was not the greatest yeah so at the time i really thought the power band was like a massive problem now there's some issue somewhere where i'm we're still not 100 percent sure if it's mechanical or electronic but either way um 
I have one of my own now and mine did not feel remotely close to what his felt like. Mine felt so much better. And so we actually got out, we got out on some natural terrain finally with these and really, it was like driving them both for the first time, honestly, if we're comparing them all. And in in a way it was a comparison of three vehicles because your Enduro 24 had, the the medium tires we'll say yeah right? i had the stock little ones the scx has the big ones that re-referenced and you had an in-between size and what absolutely blew me away about like that little crawl session which was actually quite lengthy um was how good the 24 enduro was i was really blown away by it like once i actually like had mine to drive I, I think I finally had one that was meant to drive the way it did. And that made a massive difference. Like the power band felt awesome. I think it's, I think the SCX one is still really, really good, but I'd say this is, this is comparable. Um, you don't feel like you're getting in. Like, like the problem that I had before was like, it almost felt like you had nothing until half throttle. And then you didn't have the top end to get out of stuff. You still don't have the top end to get out of stuff, but the the power band seems a lot more linear now. So that was that was nice. Um, but you really just couldn't throttle your, throttle yourself, excuse me, through situations like you could with the SCX. Um, so the SCX still kind of gets a point there, but really the the balance, which was what I was the the balance and grip almost like which was what I was pretty critical of on the Enduro the first time around was night and day. I just, once it was on some natural terrain and some, I mean, you go to any like natural terrain spot that you take a 10 scale to, it really is a whole nother world when you take a 24 scale to it, because all of a sudden there's just so many lines you had never even seen before. And you really blow yourself away with like what you, what you found out you could do with that car. Like the, the two word review I have for just that whole experience was just, Oh wow. Because they all just kind of kept impressing me. But honestly, those cars are so small. The cars are so small that I think the smaller tires in a way here and on fairly grippy rock, to be fair. Uh, although it was starting to get a bit wet. It just started raining, but I think the smaller tires helped because the car, I mean, they're so light. These cars are tiny, so they're really, really light, so they don't really have any, I mean, the power-to-weight ratio is even more absurd than a 10 scale is. So, in a way, having your car CG that much lower, even if it was just, a you know, a little bit, really seemed to make a big difference on how that car performed in some angles. And also, this was kind of a, sort of a moot point, I guess, but I found out really that I, we didn't look at this the first time around, but the, the SCX one is quite a bit longer. Like it's a much longer wheelbase. Yeah. We, I didn't realize that at all. And I mean, I didn't even catch that, you know, having it sitting with the others and everything else. But I mean, it's what we figure six to eight millimeters longer. Probably. I don't know if it's that long. I think like five, five to six at the most, I think was pretty, I mean, I yeah. guess we could have measured it, but I mean, it's still significant on a car that small. Like, it was a noticeable difference. So some of the performance differences made a lot of sense. Um, but I really liked 
how much smaller the Enduro was in just every way because of how maneuverable it was. It just seemed like I could get it in some harder places um, that I wouldn't really... I could do with the SCX, but it would just be a lot more challenging. Um, I mean, it was just really... Either, either way, both of them are really impressive, but the Enduro was night and day compared to the first time that I'd driven it. And I one thing I hadn't really considered especially now, and this is a good reminder of that. I didn't really think about this at the time we did the first review, but man-made courses are really just a really like poor stage for judging anything. Yeah, that's true. You just they, there's There's too many variables that maybe expose some things that generally wouldn't be problems, things that you wouldn't really notice on. Yeah, you know, because, I mean, man-made courses are hard for 10 scales. So, yeah, if you're going to go to a place where you had to lay a bunch of rock and stuff like that, obviously the car with bigger tires is going to it's going to have an advantage. So, now it felt like they were a little bit more on equal terms. Neither of them were bad. I I will say that. Neither of them were bad. Um but you can definitely tell they were better at different things. There really wasn't a lot to compare. And that was the surprising part to me was that there really wasn't there really wasn't anything that I sat there and thought about that was like, wow, these are both really good at this. That wasn't really the case. So I don't know. They, well, first of all, I just measured the tires. And so we've got one with stock tires. That's the one that Travis driving mostly. Mm-hmm. And then um, we've, those tires that come on the Enduro 24 are an inch and three quarters. It looks like. And I have the Axial BFG crawlers on my Enduro 24, and they're right at two inches. And so it was amazing that quarter inch less diameter um, of yours, how much of a difference that played as far as, like, the overall height of the rig and that being the factor for it getting up certain obstacles, Mm -hmm. if if that makes sense. No, it it was. Just that little tiny bit. You know, that eighth inch of height difference between mine and his was actually super noticeable, and it made the dif- made the difference between getting up some stuff and not getting up it. So it was pretty crazy that it was, you know, that sensitive as far as, you know, center gravity goes. But, yeah, I mean, the stock tires definitely outperformed everything. I mean, basically, yours bone stock, I feel like it outperformed the – axial and mine with the larger tires it was i think the axial was just as capable but it was i was so much more comfortable with the enduro like it just i it was immediate confidence yeah the axial kind of likes to flip over backwards more than the others yeah and i think a lot of that is attributed i mean the tires are part of it i think and the tires and the body combination i think the cg is just that much higher i think you would even notice quite a bit of difference if you had put like a lower truck body on the sex i think you would you maybe wouldn't have that as much um i think that there's a combination up if it had like the deadbolt or the chevy c10 body yeah i mean the biggest takeaway was that like the original question that that you and elliot had talked about in the past um which was you know for a hundred dollars or 130 i think one of them was um you know are you having 10th scale fun with a quarter of the price and we said yes before but i really think that is the case now like for me 
either which way you go, they're even more worth the money. And I think that, you know, I we're a, we're a couple months from this, but when like holiday time comes around, like, and someone is like on the fence about what they want to get somebody or suggest somebody to get into scaling. I really think that you can't go wrong by suggesting a 24th scale now, because if you, if you have fun with a 10th scale, you might not have fun with the 24th, but if you have fun with the 24th, you're going to love the 10th scale. So I think it's the, they perform well enough and they perform comparably to their 10th scale counterparts, like really, really similar. Like a lot of just the general physics still apply. So it's not that different. So it's a really cheap investment to get into this, figure out if you like it with very little to no modification. And then that can take you forward instead of buying some other 10 scale car you may or may not like. And I mean, to be fair, crawlers for a lot of people, they can be, especially the more, more complicated they get, they can be really intimidating for some people. So now I wouldn't have any hesitation steering somebody in the direction of a 24th scale. I think that it's absolutely worthwhile and you can take them anywhere. That was some of the most fun driving I think from our entire trip was driving the little ones. Yeah, that was, was, yeah, that was the big like surprise of the trip was, wow, this is actually a lot of fun. And we ran them until there was pretty much no battery left. Yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, we drove for a long, long time. I, I wish I had timed it because my battery was still not out and I never had any power drop. And I had been, I had been driving a long time, yeah. like a long time. So I, 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 it could have been, it could have been a decent length 10 scale session. So yeah, um, that was pretty cool. So like I said, pleasant surprise of that trip was the, the 24 scales. Yeah, definitely. Super, super fun. So my question is, just because I'm not too familiar with the um, elements, 24th scale, um, the gear, or I guess the, yeah, the drivetrain, um, the gears and the axle, are they also warm drive just like the 24 from no, axle? These, these look like they're a ring and pinion. So to me, that should provide a different crawl feeling because I know at least with my... 24th scale um, axial, I have to, like, if it starts seeming like it's getting, like, bound up, you kind of got to, like, let off, let it kind of, like, work it a little bit and then go again. Like, you'll see when it gets kind of bound up just because the warm drive doesn't have the same characteristics as a ring of pinion. Right. So that was my – that's my only thing that I noticed uh, when playing with mine, but um, that's really about it. I didn't really notice any situations where at least like just in the lines that I had been choosing where the SCX would get bound up in one spot, but not the Enduro and vice versa. Both of them seem to react fairly similar in the like sort of difficult situations I put it in, Um, which for a small, I said everything, you know, most of those cars are basically plastic. So it's pretty amazing, honestly, for some of the lines, because I did squeeze them through a couple, how durable they both are. Like there maybe were a couple situations where you could argue that something maybe should have broken and they just never did. Yeah, it's pretty wild. I mean, like even the stock servos lasted. I mean, there's been absolutely no durability issues with any of them, actually, with the axial or this. Like we haven't had mm-hmm. anything break. But no, it's you 
if you're on the fence about it, just I I say just get one, and you're not going to be disappointed with any of them. Um, the axial, though, I do feel like you can benefit from having that 3D printed tray so that it moves the battery to the front. Um, I th- I think had it not been for relocating that battery, I think that thing probably would have gotten uh, probably stomped a little bit more by the Element ones. Yeah, that is that's fair. Because that's a big battery, and that thing was you know clear in the back. That battery, and that's easily twice the size of the one that comes in the Enduro Twenty Four. Yeah, which is weird because I really didn't back to the power band thing. Once I had a car that had the power band, it should. I really didn't mm-hmm. notice a difference. Like I, I mean, yes, the SCX had a little bit more top end, so you could kind of throw out your way out of some stuff. But the overall crawling feel was really similar. Yeah. So. There's that to consider too. Either way, you can't really go wrong. Um, there are just some, maybe some minor tweaks on the axial, but honestly, I mean, again, bringing bringing him back to the original point from the last time we talked about this, it's a twenty fourth scale. It's like a hundred bucks. So take take all of that with a grain of salt. Well, and also the best part about it for that hundred buck price point, not only are you getting the car, you're getting a remote battery and a way to charge it. So you're, you're getting everything. So whereas, yeah, whereas even when you get a ready to run from like the full size counterparts, whether that be um, element or axial, you still have to provide a charger and a battery. Yeah, yeah. So cost effective, low risk. I mean, you either you know like it and want to move on to something else, or you either like it, <laughs> keep that, or you don't like it and you're not out a lot of money. So. I don't see a way you can really lose there. Yeah, no. They're, they were all really good. I mean, it, yeah. was, it was definitely fun getting them on some real, you know, like actual natural terrain and stuff. They were just, I don't know, they just did some amazing stuff. Like, they looked exactly like the big ones. Like, the one thing I noticed about the Enduro was it was super, super planted. Like, it went down stuff every bit as well as it went up stuff. So that was pretty cool. But, the I mean, it was just... Crazy. Yeah. You can take a small area like where we were at, and my God, like you can spend an hour, hour and a half just in one little spot that when you rain tent scales through it, you know, you're there for maybe like five, ten minutes and then on to the next thing. But I mean, it just, the world is so much bigger when you have 24 scale stuff. And it, I don't know, it was really fun. I could, I can definitely see myself getting into this and driving them a lot more whenever I'm out actually doing some normal crawling i think this thing's gonna be something that probably just kind of lives in my backpack and goes with me everywhere yeah yeah super fun little cars so um what else um not much in the way of news this week is there no not really um yeah is there anything because uh, newsflash, Jay uh, went splashing through puddles with his truck. <laughs> I, oh, I yeah. Did. Chris Trudeau actually had a question about that. He said, is that the most off-roading the real truck has seen in a while? Uh, yes. It, yeah, since last <laughs> year. We we rallied on it at Die Hard a bit last year, but yeah, this year that's been its only, sadly enough, that's been its only trip on dirt this year. Well, it looked good doing it. It was fun. We ended up, like, the spot we were going to was kind of a bust, but we ended up getting, like, 
some pretty fantastic pictures and stuff. And we did like 17 miles of washboarded gravel road. And that was gnarly. Yeah. I've got maybe I've got enough footage for three or four healthy length videos. Um, I was, nice. I was sorting through everything today when I got home and putting everything in kind of respective folders. Cause I just, I had so much footage. I had to, I had to separate everything based off theme and I must've spent an hour and a half just moving stuff between different file folders. I mean, it's just an absolute amount. Okay, so that's going to be busy work for me for a while, but I'm actually really excited to uh, show some of that because I got a lot of, I got a lot of like environment shots of like where we were. And even though it wasn't like the planned destination, I think we still kind of won out in the end. There wasn't, it wasn't a big place, but what was there was really good. And, um, it honestly, what it, what it did, it reminded me a lot of just a smaller Cisco. And yeah, like, yeah, it did. like Cisco. And like one of the things that, that kind of bothered me about my axial fest experience when I went in 2016 was that, yes, it was rad. It was a really fun time, but unfortunately that meant the bar had been set. So, every experience sort of from that it's like it's like why i would be apprehensive to like go to donner and i'm you know no offense to those guys that put it on and i've heard everything's been great really there but like that's just that's where i'm at and i think where a lot of other people are at where it's like okay well you know they're going to kind of compare it to their cisco experience and this was the first place that i had been really since then where i was like wow this is like really cool and there's some neat stuff that i really haven't seen before and it was nice because it was only two-ish, well, really three hours from home. So that was pretty cool too. Yeah, it wasn't very far at all. And there's, I don't know, I'm convinced there's still more stuff there. So Yeah, I'm in that area. We just need to get a better plan next time. Yeah, there was not a lot of knowledge going into it. So we just need to be... I guess it, worked, it we, worked out really. It well. worked out really well. It could have turned out a lot worse going to some of the places we thought we needed to be. So, um, yeah. no, it was cool. So I'm excited to show all that. Um, already working on stuff, you know, for you know, hopefully releasing as soon as next week. So that'll be cool. Um, and then I guess really just while we're while we have a quick break here, we got a page message today from a man named Tyler Swank. Um. He says, hey, guys, my name is Tyler, and I listen to your podcast on Spotify every day at work. My question for you guys is, do you guys think they will ever come out with a fifth-scale crawler? I know Traxxas is a summit, which is one-tenth or one-eighth, depending on who you ask, and that Red Cat just came out with the clawback. But do you think that Axial or any other company will come out with something? Um, with something? Me, personally, I, I have a Traxxas summit, and I love taking it out and doing trail runs. Hmm. I... I feel like probably not. Um, that fifth scale red cat is giant. I saw one. Well, I can't remember if you were there with me or if Jared was with me, but the last time we had stopped in at a main, they had a red one sitting there and it's a big giant fifth scale motor on axle crawler. I don't and, think I was there for that. Yeah, it, it was massive. And I don't know. Um, I can't really see anybody putting a whole lot of development into large scale crawler stuff. I, I think that the stuff most people have available to them would be extra tiny and they probably wouldn't enjoy it very much. I mean, where would you take one? You know, like yeah, that, that's just it. Like I, 
I have no idea where I would go with something like that. You'd have to go to a place like Rubicon or something to even remotely enjoy it, I would think. Unless, you know, unless like, you know, Tyler, for example, has an area near him that'd be cool for fifth scale. But I think in a way, 10th scale stuff is almost hard enough to find good places for. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's kind of the funny thing about the scale world is that for as big as it is, there's really not a lot of places you can go. So I think fifth scale is, I mean, cause the thing is even like fifth scale race cars, like buggies and short courses and stuff like that, it is still extraordinarily easier to facilitate an event or practice track or something for those, because it's just like eight scale where you just have to kind of dig out a dirt lot somewhere. And that, especially with how heavy those cars are, you can do it with pretty minimal effort. So, I, I yeah, I would be really hard pressed to say that I could see a company ever investing the money in that, just because something like that, their R and D cost would be so high because you wouldn't really be able to take anything that exists currently for any of those companies and apply it to that sort of concept. Um, I, so I, I don't know. I think it's a risk that we're not going to really see anybody take. Yeah, yeah. Someone would just have to... I would see like maybe a smaller company that is just absolutely loaded for some reason and doesn't really care where their money goes. I could kind of see them doing it like a one-off. I don't think anyone will ever try and release one as like a full-fledged product, though. I mean, it's... Yeah, I don't know. I'd like to see it once, but I couldn't imagine trying to like get one of those around you know so i personally think they missed their time slot so fifth scale like a fifth scale crawler probably would have done well right when like the moa rigs excuse me started dying and all that stuff um i think that would have been the time to do it because it would have been kind of like a cool novelty thing so i think people would buy it just to see like what they could do like oh look you know it's a it's a one-fifth scale and i'm gonna have it climb up this like giant boulder and do stuff that my you know my berg does or my xr10 or something like of that nature um the fact that scale is really hot right now to make something um one-fifth scale like that it just I just don't think that the appeal's really there. Um, and I'll just use two examples that I know, like firsthand, which would be like um, both Todd Norton and Elio Dienda have both done one fifth scale crawlers. The challenges that they have is finding stuff that looks scale to that because everything's so heavily, you know, um, saturated or made to be uh, one tenth scale that you know finding something that looks one fifth is hard. And two, when you're the only one with a one-fifth scale rig, you go out, um, you know, with everybody else with one-tenth, and it's just like, how do you, how do you run with anybody else? Yeah, you, you can't. You, it's like yours is like giant. So I just don't see there being like a hot market for it. The only, like I said, unless because if you haven't noticed, most trends get turned into a. Um, I guess a manufactured product once enough people I feel have been modifying it or doing it on their own. So, I mean, I just, like I said, so like if, if everybody just decided to start making one fifth scale rigs, there might be a chance that they might go, Hey, if they're all building it, maybe we should build one, you know, kind of similar to what, um, 
Team Associated did with the drag car. You know, yeah. there wasn't really a store-bought drag car. You had to modify it. So they were like, hey, if it's a market, let's make something because obviously it's going to sell. Um, so, yeah, so that's why I just don't think it's going to happen. Secondly, Axial kind of already was down that road with the Yeti XL, and the Yeti XL just... I think it was one of those novelty things. Like some people just wanted some big basher car, so they got it and was like, "All right, cool." And then there was a lot of people that got it, ran it, and then sold it yeah. because it was just not for them. They were just like, "Yeah, it looked a lot cooler, sounded a lot cooler," until I used it, and then it was just kind of like, "Yeah, I'm limited." Yeah, the couple of like two or three RC chads that live out in like Palm Desert probably bought a Yeti XL, and that was probably it. Well, Elio bought a Yeti XL, had it for about six months, and then got rid of it. He just—it's just one of those things. Like, yeah, it was fun for what it was, but he said it was just like it doesn't compare. So yeah, and you get you get to that kind of scale, and you're just—it's just cumbersome at best. Yeah. So I think after this last weekend, I would—I feel like if if the opportunity was in front of me, I would choose a micro over a large scale a hundred percent yeah 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 because you know what it is i think it also has to go with the fact that you're saying look i made it even smaller you know if you're going one fifth you're getting closer back to you know one to one and at that point you might as well just buy the real thing yeah Yeah, exactly yeah that's a good point my uh one of the engineers um at my work um he one like one one of our company owners bought an SCX twenty four, and so one of the engineers who's kind of into that stuff like, um, like picked it up and looked you know looked at it, and he brought it over to me, and he's like, man, I can't believe they make them this small now. Like this is crazy, and it's like, yeah, I mean, it's kind of crazy to think that you can kind of get that same amount of fun in just a tiny little car, and you know, just drive it around anywhere and just have some fun. Yeah, but um, yeah, um. Chris Trudeau has a couple questions, so why don't we knock those out? Okay. If you guys haven't, episode 60 dropped today, the day that we're recording. So if you guys haven't had an opportunity to check that out, check that out because that was a lot of fun to talk to Chris. Um, he His first question was, thoughts on the RC four-wheel drive Toyota SR5 hard body? It's awesome. I haven't even seen it. It looks rad. I sent you a picture of it. It looks really cool. Oh, is that what that was? Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't realize that was theirs. Yeah, that thing is sweet. Yeah, it looks really good. <laughs> um, and then will Adam be getting the recently released Rubicon Mini Z? Rubicon Mini Z. I'm gonna have to look that up now. I didn't even know. Oh, the new Kyosho. There's a Kyosho Mini Z Jeep now. Oh, okay. Um, probably not. Just because. If I'm getting another mini, it's probably going to be another 24, so I can do the micro, uh, was it micro shark, micro tube shark, whatever they call it. Um, <laughs> that's probably what I would gear towards. Um, the Kyosho is just even smaller than the 24th, if I'm not mistaken. So I'd rather just probably stick with the 24th scale. Yeah. Yeah, looking at the 24th scale right now, and the mini Zs have been. Kyosho's moneymaker for a long time. Um, but yeah, I'm still kind of looking at a couple of these things and I think they're pretty similar in size. Actually, I can't get them to explicitly put it on the website, I guess. Yeah, it doesn't. I haven't been able to find where it says they're either 24th or 28th scales. I'm 
almost positive. Probably uh, 28th. I can't believe I don't know this, but I mean, it, the body sits super high on the chassis. Um, like it looks, yeah, might really, be able to fix that. Really monster or, truck. Yeah. It's a modification. You could definitely take care of that. Yeah. Um, the scale detail is really cool though. That's something I really like on that thing. Yeah. All of those Kyosha mini Z crawlers look really good. Like their forerunner looks super good. I mean, their mini Z everything is just the detail is really incredible. Yeah. Um, and then at J is, oh wait, I already asked that one. My bad. Um, in the previous episode 60, it was alluded to having a build off between Jay and Adam. Um, and then similarly have either Jay or Adam paid attention to the monthly mayhem competition between Harley designs and scale builders guild. If not, it's worth a look. Jay, you want to answer? You want me to answer first? You go for it. <laughs> so basically, and I'll just be honest, and this is nothing against um, Matt or um, Harley. I just, I kind of lost interest after their first Mayhem. The first Mayhem was, was like kind of like one of those, all right, I can get behind this. It's kind of cool. Then the second one with the, what was it? Was that the second one was the Drift um, Deadbolt or the something like that? And I just was like, all right, I, that's hard to get behind. And then the one after that where they were flying it, I just that's when I was kind of like, okay, I've kind of lost interest. It's just not really my thing. It, you know, both of those guys are pretty, you know, talented guys in their own in their own right. Um, but I'm just haven't really had a reason to follow any of the monthly mayhem as of late. Um, it could be different. They might change it up and do something a little bit, you know, um, I guess more geared towards my interest but like again that's just my opinion i'm not saying that it's right or wrong i'm just saying that's my opinion right yeah kind of the same thing here like i don't really follow anybody on any kind of social media that does stuff like that you know like series and whatnot i just i don't know i'm i'm too wrapped up doing all of my stuff here to really pay attention to what anybody else is doing honestly Yeah. I mean, he didn't even ask if I watch it, so he knows that I have no interest. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I think the most recent one was like a high-speed Traxxas 6x6 six six or something. It yeah. just didn't, didn't really capture my attention at all. Just not our thing. Um, I thought it might be a good idea. I looked into the Kyosho Mini Z just a little bit more because I wanted to know what scale it was. It is a 24th scale. So I guess technically it could be considered an option for the 24th scale line as well. However, where Kyosho really loses me here is the price. Any of you guys want to guess how much this thing costs? And it comes basically the same thing as the others, right? As far as comes with a radio battery charger, all that. Aren't they like 180 or something? Nope. Adam, what do you got? Uh, they got to be about 200. It's Kyosho. They're just a higher end brand. 230. Yeah. Yeah. Good lord. 230. Yeah, wow. that's <laughs> all the interest is gone there. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, mean, like I said the body detail is really cool. I love the way it looks. Um, but yeah, I mean I just I could not I, I don't know how you justify that versus what you can do with the others. So 
But yeah, then again, that's also half for half the price. Yeah, that's been Kyosha's mo for a long time now, though. So I guess what's new? But... Yeah, it's not really surprising, I guess. No. Um, Colin Branch asks: With indoor racing in jeopardy this winter, will scaling continue to grow? Oh yeah, absolutely. Always. It might be completely uh, unrelated, to be honest with you. It might just happen anyways. Would, oh, you mean just scaling continue to grow? Yeah, yeah, I mean, really. Despite everything else? Yeah. Yeah, probably. I, I mean, it's not going anywhere. I think no. people are definitely, I don't know. I mean, there's still restrictions and whatnot in place. I'm sure that people are still going to just be all about it. Hundred percent. Um, and then we got one more question here from Greg Thrailkill. He says, "I like to know a little bit more about painting. I come from an automotive painting background, so everything about painting RCs goes against everything I know about painting real cars. I'm interested in trying the Proline paints. I never had good luck with waterborne paints on real prepped cars, so I don't understand how a person is able to spray paint onto basically an unprepped surface and have it stick long term. I painted one of my bodies with Tester's Extreme Paints, and it just flaked off. It was a VS410 body, so you can feel my frustration and understand why I want to know how to paint something that's going to last. Currently using peelable paints as it sticks and flex as well, and the color changes are a breeze. Yeah, you need you really need a polycarbonate uh, paint, you know, a paint that's suitable for Lexan. Um, there's there's a few others that'll work on Lexan, but it's kind of a gamble. I mean, really, like, I mean, I don't do fancy paint jobs or anything, but when I do paint, um, I'll scuff it with a, well, if he works in the automotive world, he'll know about red and gray Scotch-Brite. Um, I usually scuff it with a gray Scotch-Brite pad and uh, clean it off really good with rubbing alcohol and then get get busy on it. Sweet. That was all the questions we had, though, at least as of right now. I posted the thing a little bit late. but Oh, Elliot had one for me that he sent since he's on Facebook uh, <laughs> Facebook jail. Oh, is he? What did he yep. do? <laughs> oh, man. He, he just said... Or are you not allowed to speak on this? Is this like a serious matter? No, no. He just said Americans are trash. An American. <laughs> I'm going to be moving up to Canada so I can eat ketchup chips and laugh at the yeah. I don't. I don't know. But anyways, uh, he got a a ban for an entire day. So this is really funny because he's had a couple warnings, and that yeah. is mm-hmm. he'd post things about like he would just word things the most slightly wrong way, like not even wrong, but like Facebook would interpret them as threats. And so he'd get like a, you know, the comment would get um, deleted and he'd go at a notification, you know, saying, hey, this violated our community guidelines. And yeah, he said something. Um, he said something about Americans being plague rats with importing stuff into Canada. But yeah, that was like the first one. And, and then... <laughs> he got that one. So finally, I guess Facebook, whatever the moderator saw this was like, all right, dude, you've had enough. Yeah, they dropped the hammer on him. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, yeah. So he said, uh, I can't comment, but I have a question. Do you think after the quarantine's over, we'll still see the same amount of new product being pumped out of the scale industry? Yeah. I mean, basically, they're kind of just 
moving forward as if there wasn't, you know, a COVID-19 situation. I mean, so. has the rate of release increased since COVID? Because I don't really feel like it has. No, I, everything was planned for this year anyway. So yeah. Not like it's, you know, some new thing. Maybe some the... release schedules were changed, but. I mean, there might have been a few releases that got moved around or maybe like expedited just a smidge. Um, to capitalize on everyone being home. But I think that's really what it is, is I think that because this year has been so crazy, it just seems like there's been so much because that's like a positive outlook that everybody's like anticipating and waiting for. So when something happens, they're like, oh, yes, you know, so they can kind of like pay attention to it more when like on a on like a typical year where we're not going through all this craziness, it's just kind of like going as life's going. So you're just kind of like not paying attention as much as kind of like how I see it. You know, you're not really going to have the answer to this question until about 2022. Because if Probably. we start seeing a bunch of crazy stuff and like really cool things pop up around then, then it's probably a safe bet that it was like a COVID born idea. So I could see a lot of projects starting this time that maybe otherwise would not have been started just because, you know, that's just, that's just how that goes sometimes. Um, but I think like if, if that end like even next year, but mostly 2022, if those end up kind of being crazy release years where just a lot of cool stuff's coming out, I think you could put some of the responsibility on what's happened this year. But right now I don't think we're seeing anything varying from what was already going to happen. So agreed. Just my thoughts. Yeah, I agree. Um, did you have any more hidden questions? No, that was the only hidden question I had from our resident jailbird. <laughs> well, it was fun. well, it was funny too because Travis well, must have been on this because I was actually, since I'm on the computer, was looking at the uh, our page and it had the um, question in the inbox, but Travis beat us to it. I didn't even see the notification. I just happened to accidentally open up the inbox and I saw it was there. So I was like, oh, yeah, huh. I, saw, I saw the notification, so I was opening it up because I was I was looking at that one and there's another one. Um, which actually maybe we can – maybe that will give us something to talk about. Let me open it up real quick. Um, it's a listener who's having an issue with electronics. I've been trying to help him out, but he says it doesn't seem like that is working. Okay, so his name's Alex Sims. So basically it's been, it's been an ongoing thing pretty much since like I want to say – uh, August, middle of August, maybe. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I've been going back and forth with him. So basically he's saying that um, he would – I'll just start from the beginning. He said, hey, guys, love the podcast. Quick question. I've never – I live near the Gettysburg Battlefields, and they have some rocky outcrops. Uh, uh, that would be a wonderful, wonderful to scale, assuming I stay out of the people's way on the rocks. Do you think that is a valid scaling location or would – that be un uncouth, uncouth, uncouth. See, shows you my level of education. Yeah. <laughs> disrespectful to the deceased warriors, I, and I did say that's a tough one. I said it is. I said, is it a public place or is it more like a you know private or national park? And he said um, it's open to the public, but there aren't really any graves. Um, but it is you know where the Civil War took place. And I was like, oh, okay. And I said, yeah, I said, eh, you're going to, you know, kind of 
get both sides of the of the fence there. You're going to get the people that say that's disrespectful, and then you're going to get other people that are like, hey, you're out enjoying nature. You just go with it. Then he had another question, and he said it was on his Gen 8. He put a reef servo, and he goes, it's working really weak. Um, he goes, it works great on other trucks. The BC works and the receiver works. The servo is powered from the battery by way of BC. Could it be the internal BC in the ESC is failing and not sending proper signals to the servo by way of ESC? Um, he goes, I already ordered a Hobby Wing 1080, hoping that fixes it, but I wanted one anyway, thanks. And I said, well, the external BC typically is more programmable than the one that comes with your ESC unless you get like a higher end like Castle or Holmes Hobbies, um, something of that nature. Even I think, does Tekin, are you allowed to, because I don't mess with the with the hot wire, are you allowed to play with the um, BEC settings in that? Um, on stuff like their brushless one, the RX4, yes. Okay. Uh, you can change it between 6 volt and 7.4. Okay. Because, yeah, because I was saying, like, with some of the higher ends, you can actually change it all. And then he said he has the bypass connector, so that the BC wire only sends ground and signal to the receiver, and yet the other servos are slow to return to center when hooked to my rig, swapped out my receiver. And I said, that's interesting. Um, I said, what BC are you running? And, he's, and then he kind of, like, stopped responding for a while, and then he said... Um, this was her third or fourth run with the new Reefs Raw 500 in BC, and I said, honestly, I have not tried, you know, any of the Reefs, so I don't know. But I said I do know that those bigger servos are power hungry, so I said it is possible that you might have the setting on the BC too low, so it's robbing all the power. Um, you might need to bump up your ESC, and then. Then it went back and forth between is that software or is that something I can do? And I said, yeah, you needed some sort of way to adjust it. But I, and at that point, I didn't know if he had the hobby wing yet or not. So we kind of got lost in translation. But basically, do you guys think that it's a BC issue or do you think it's something else causing this? God, that stuff's hard when it's like trying to remote diagnose stuff's tricky. And that's the problem that I was having too. Like I'm trying to like go like, okay, is it this? Is it that? So um, basically he also said to add more into it, he says he doesn't know if his FlySky GT5 is also being part of the issue because he said the steering started glitching on one run. So I said, you got like a whole mess of problems. Yeah. There's a lot of ironing out to do to sort out what the problem could be. Yeah, that's really tricky. I don't know. So um, basically I guess he said that Reefs got back to him and they're supposed to call him and he was going to let us know what happens. And when did he send that? Last Tuesday? I think. I don't know. Doesn't have a date. Yeah, Tuesday. So, hmm. yeah, so I don't know. Haven't heard anything. Um, and that's about it. But, yeah, so I guess my whole thing is that's the one issue that I've always had. I don't know. Jay, you you guys have that bypass plug for when you're running the BEC, correct? 
Yeah, so basically it completely eliminates the servo being powered through your receiver. Yeah. So, so that way, because um, some receivers don't like a lot of voltage going through them, um, and, you know, it can cause burnouts and other weird little issues. So one of the easiest things is to just do a receiver bypass harness if you're going to run anything that can take more than, I would say, 7.4 volts. And, uh, yeah, basically what happens then is your battery... Um, your battery voltage won't matter if you're running like a three cell, well, actually, or a two cell, because you can take an ex external BEC and you can change the output on it. So, I mean, if if you you know are running a two S and you're running, you know, eight volts to your servo, uh, you'll notice it going kind of mushy as your battery starts to lose uh, capacity and wear down. So, um. Probably, I don't know, like with the 3S, um, that's the best way to go for something like that if you do have a power-hungry servo because then, you know, you can basically throw as much voltage at it as you need to. You know, if the servo can take 9 volts, and you can put 9 volts to it, and that's fine. And with a harness like that, you're eliminating the need to go through any of the other electronics on the car. Okay, so I guess for layman's terms. So it basically that means you wouldn't have to do like how I've typically run external BEC. So typically the way um, I've done it is you solder your external BEC in line with your battery plug and then it gets plugged into your receiver. Then you take your ESC receiver plug, remove the red wire, um, I typically just um, undo the connection in the uh, plug and I fold it back and heat shrink it so that way if I ever decide to use that without a BEC later on, I didn't completely cut and ruin the plug. Um, and then plug that back in and everything seems to be fine every time I do it that way. So the your bypass plug basically takes place of undoing the power from the receiver or from the ESC that's going into the receiver? Uh, yeah, basically. Okay. Yeah, the BEC will just go straight to the servo and power it directly and completely eliminate using the receiver altogether. Gotcha. So, yeah, it just makes it easy, and if you have, you know, some crazy servo, you can run all the juice to it that you want and don't have to worry about anything else. Yeah, I may have to try that out sometime. It works pretty good. Um, like I said, the ideal situation is if you have a three cell, though. Because that makes it much easier. Oh, okay. So, yeah. I'm back. You're back. How, was... Uh, how was that situation? <laughs> it was, uh, I guess, ultimately none of my business. So, oh, okay. Um, no, I, I don't think I told the story on the podcast. I guess I won't get into it really. But uh, I told you about the whole like, uh, like budget David Cross guy. Yeah, yeah. So it was just a continuation of that saga. <laughs> so, yeah, as a story for another time. <laughs> um, Funny. Yeah. Uh, 
You have some aggressive people in that neighborhood. Everyone, everywhere's got like one or two who are just like consistent troublemakers. Like it's just that dude know. on Sunday evening, man, he was fired up. Sunday evening, when I dropped you off, I don't remember this. Yeah, the guy was like, came tearing into the parking. Oh spot. yeah, yeah. Well, that's, again, that's an extension of no one being able to drive here. That was so funny. Seattle metro area just has horrible, horrible drivers, and my apartment complex is no exception to this. And so, yeah, without much regard, no one wants to wait or anything like that. So if there's a gap, they're going to take it, which, I mean, (laughs) it's just frustrating, you know. If you you waited 10 seconds, you'd have space, but, you know, what can you do? Yeah, that dude was mad. Yeah, definitely not... This is not an area where it's a, you know, you're borrowing cooking stuff from your neighbors kind of situation. It's a <laughs> avoid each other at all costs and pretend they don't exist. It's more like that. No cups of sugar. No cups of sugar. Yeah. Gotcha. Yep. Um, there wasn't really any news over the last week, was there? No. Not I don't at think. All. Just been kind of quiet. It's really. been a quiet week. Yeah. Yeah, quiet. I haven't really seen anything. Um, I'm getting geared towards uh, the crawling out of COVID because that is not this coming weekend, but it's the following October 3rd. Oh, nice. So, but um, I do know they've been they've been pretty heavy with the posts lately. Um, basically, telling everybody what the um, kind of like what to expect. Um, they are following all the COVID guidelines. They they ask you to bring hand sanitizer um, to keep social distance unless you're with the people you came with. Um, please wear a face covering, all that stuff. Pretty reasonable. Yeah. Nothing, nothing new that people haven't had to do. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah. So the only other thing that they also announced was, because I know a lot of people were getting a little, I don't know if it was upset or they were getting antsy, they um, they announced that they were not doing any, um, like, challenges, I guess you could say. Like, they weren't doing the sumo, they weren't doing the, uh, there's a couple other ones that they had last year, tug of war and some other stuff, just because they said it draws too much of a crowd, so... Oh, that makes sense, yeah. Yeah. No, I can understand that. Yeah. It's a little bit lighter than usual, but I don't have anything uh anything else really. Yeah, same here. Kinda kinda just a quiet quiet week. Yeah. Yep, just one of those. Um another week where I am up working in the Tahoe area, so kind of crazy because i got to be up here then i got to be back home next week and then I'm going to be back up at the end of the week for crawling out of COVID I keep forgetting that that's sneaking up pretty quick here I haven't really heard of any other uh, like event type things going on yeah me neither Um, obviously everything I've seen has been pretty local like there's still the guys up in the Redding Chico area that are doing the drag races, they're staying pretty, um, 
they're staying pretty like active. Like they have little events here and there. Um, I also believe they're still doing. They're still heavy in their monster truck, if I'm not mistaken. Also, um, and this is probably closer to the border of um, Oregon, but um, I believe there was the. Jefferson State Crawler get together thing that was going on this past weekend. Yeah, I I saw something about that after the fact. I didn't see it prior, but uh, in which is the same thing I saw. I only saw after the fact, not prior. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't really know much about that or what was going on, but um, looked like Schultz was there, had a good time. He's up here right now. I was talking to him earlier. We're gonna try and go crawling on Thursday. Nice. Yeah, so I thought that was kind of cool that he he's up here. So yeah, I mean, what are, what are, what are we at right now? A little bit under an hour. Brutal, man. This is a shorty. Yeah, it's brutal. <laughs> yeah, I mean, unfortunately, a lot of the news is just not. I don't know. Not just just got one of those quiet weeks. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, and it happens, you know. Not it, not every week's a exciting, fun-packed week. Should be. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um. God, I, yeah, I'm trying super hard to think if there was anything that we hadn't, that we were going to touch on that we hadn't. Um, God, I, yeah, I don't know. I felt like there were more. Was there anything on the trip that we didn't cover that we can, or that we can, we can talk about? Um, well, we, what all did we do? We drove the Bronco and the Scout together for the first time, so that was cool. That, that was really cool. Really good pictures. That was probably some of the best video I got. I can't wait to put that one together. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. all of that turned out really well. Nice. So that'd be awesome. Travis hit my hand with a car doing a flyby <laughs> when I was videoing and drew blood. That sucked. Yeah, uh, we were trying to get yeah trying to get like a close flyby. Dad was laying down like on the ground trying to get the shot, you know. And I was driving the car by, and I just I nicked his knuckle or something like that. And it's in in a way it was kind of for nothing because for the video you still can't tell that we were that close. Yeah. So. Kind of funny. <laughs> um, but I did a lot of laying on the ground to get good photos and video. There was there was a lot. Well, and you with recording and stuff, too. Like, we kept kind of finding ourselves in, like, precarious situations. Really tricky situations. Like trying to, you know, duck down in between something and kind of balance and not fall into a little ravine. And Well, and we were yeah, trying to shoot two cars. On. We were trying to shoot two cars at once, and it didn't really occur to me until it was time to, like, go do that, that I had... To kind of figure out, all right, well, I'm going to have to hold the movie in one hand, and I'm going to have to use my radio in the other. And I was, I was moving the radio wheel up and down my side to go left and right because I couldn't <laughs> use my other hand. So that's how I was driving. Um, <laughs> we when we first got there on Friday, we didn't do any filming, but 
we had, I, we were out driving our, you know, our cheater trucks and the screw, um, for my steering link had come out of the, uh, or the, the panhard link. I think it was, I can't remember which one. Either way, some, one of those came out of uh, like this steered steering. Yeah. The steering just, the screw just came out of the servo horn and, um, we were a fair, fair bit of like away from our, our campsite. So I didn't want to carry the whole thing back. So I just drove the car with no steering all the way back. And I would just forward and reverse a bunch and, you know, to get the direction I needed to go and try and contour some lines to get it to turn a certain way and stuff like that. And I got surprisingly far. (laughs) So that was kind of fun. You really did. That was kind of funny. That was like (laughs) for having, you know, being at a pretty big handicap. Yeah, that was so. That was kind of a different challenge. I wish I had gotten some of that on video because that would have been kind of fun. But this place would be cameras. great for an event, Adam. Like Travis and I were talking, like it would be a good place to take you. You know, when we uh, are able to finally get you up here and stuff, and it, it was just it was a very cool spot. Like you could definitely have like some sort of event that's like a miniature axial fest at this place. It was pretty yeah. rad. Nice. Now you could have like a super cool one day event here, no problem. Yeah, it was way fun. Well, yeah, yeah. As time goes on and I get all these videos finished up, you guys will sort of see what I'm talking about, and the environment, the terrain. It was really cool to see. So. It was, and it was just funny that it worked out as well as it did because nothing else was working out, and so we just kind of settled on that campground, and it just ended up being a hidden gem. It was pretty great. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, a lot of fun. I'm ready to go back already. <laughs> no cell service. That was kind of nice. Yeah, it was cool being like off grid for a weekend. Yeah, it really was. And I didn't really come back to the huge mess that I thought I would either. So that was kind of no. nice. I actually was able to get away and like enjoy myself and not worry about anything. So just concentrate on having fun. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. Well, that's like, so this part of Tahoe that I'm working at, you have no service whatsoever. And um, I, maybe because it's during the work week, I hate it because I have no service. So for about like almost eight hours today, you have like no service. So typically like my normal work day, I know this is like totally unscale related, but you talked about the no cell service. Like on my lunch break, I'll clear emails, answer any phone calls and or texts that I get about you know, other jobs and whatnot. And then, you know, that's kind of like how most of my days go. Well, when I have no service for eight hours, by the time I'm able to answer all my stuff, oh, I got like 100 emails to sort through when 90% of them are junk, but still have to sort through them all. Yeah. All the text messages come in at once. Everything comes in at once. You're just like, ugh. And it's such a mess to sort everything out. That's what I was kind of figuring would happen, but it didn't. It just worked out really well to where came back and had just a few notifications. And, of course, we did put it out there that we were going to be gone, though, so that was kind of – that probably helped considerably. Yeah, I had been off Facebook largely for the past week and a half prior to this anyways, so there really wasn't that big of a difference for me. Yeah. But Yeah. Yep. Well – is that it, gang? I think uh, so. I think so. You just might have a short one this week, and uh, yeah. hopefully uh, we have more exciting stuff going on um, and have a little bit more to talk about. 
next week. Yeah, we'll have some good stuff for next week, definitely. Yep. Oh, definitely. Cool. Well, everybody, it was fun, and we'll catch you later. See ya. Sounds good. See ya.